1: Welcome beautiful spirits. Today we're going to be talking about reframing your day with my guest David Hennessy. So what is reframing your day and how do you go about it? When should you do it and why? And why in the world does personal development seem so hard? What can we do about it? And actually what is the wonder technique? I can't wait to hear about that. We're going to be answering all those questions but before we go any further let me introduce my guest David Hennessy. Twenty-one years ago, David Hennessy created a holistic personal development program called the Wonder Technique that has continued to evolve over the years. David has presented the Wonder Technique in hundreds of workshops and seminars and to over 7,000 people in person. His formal training is in psychology and nutrition, and he has traveled to over 20 countries and lived in three long-term. And currently, he's in France, which is one of my favorite countries. David's goal is to give the fundamental tools of personal development to everyone on the planet, and more information can be found on his website, thewondertechnique.com, including his nine e-books and some free gifts, which we'll talk about later, and that link can be found in the episode notes. Welcome, David.
2: Thank you very much, Carl. You have such a wonderful voice. Wow, I was just listening to you. You're welcome.
1: So why don't we just jump right in? I'd like to learn more about you and your story.
2: Okay. Well, that's... uh... An adventure. Everybody's life is such a great adventure. Steering two props for for people who are not familiar with my work. in The the wonder technique, as you mentioned, started about 21 years ago. And the story behind it actually goes from a few years ago. It was in the mid-1990s. And at that time, I finished all my university training in, in psychology. I'm very, very interested in how we all work and the understanding of the human mind and how it spreads itself out into the world that we live in. And at that time, in the mid-90s, my mom had two bouts with cancer. And something came very much aware in my mind that I was kind of aware of before, Carl, when I was younger, was that I'm very curious and I love to learn, but I also like to make things as simple as possible. And this is why you mentioned at the beginning, you know, personal development. I think most people, including myself, less and less now, we make things way too complicated. Overthinking. Oh, yes. We'll share more about that. But a little bit of history of the wonder technique for those who are intrigued is that after my mom started to recover, and full disclosure, I'm not the reason why my mom recovered. She had lots of people supporting her. But during the time that she was going through cancer, I spent a lot of time with her on visits with doctors and both allopathic, naturopathic, nutritionists, all different types of things. And she would ask me, can you simplify what they're saying? She was wondering, like, how do I apply this? And that's something that I have as a skill. And it comes from my curiosity and my desire to make things easier to understand. Ever since when I was a little kid, taking apart toys, driving my parents crazy, <laughs> because I was cutting like cutting the tires on little toys in half just to see, how does that work? How does that feel? And then as I got older, it transferred from cars to people, and I started to wonder how are things working. And in the late 90s, I wanted to bring together all the ideas that I had after my room recovered on personal development to help myself learn. And remember and become a better person and a better person to everybody I knew. And I accumulated a lot of information and I can still see the memory in my mind. I was sitting down on the ground in an apartment I was living in, it was quite small, and I had all these piles of scientific research papers on different areas of personal well-being, different core principles. And I wanted to integrate them together. And I had an opportunity to do a presentation. And my first presentation was actually at a school where there was 160 teenagers that were going to hear me. And oh. that came through word of mouth. And I was like, how am I going to organize all of this, right? And so what I did was, is that I created an acronym, the WONDER technique, to help me remember. We all have lots of things we want to share in our lives. But when you're presenting to an audience, you need to make things simple and easy for people to understand. I had the habit of being like a fire hose. Where I would give out too much information and bamboozle people, as I would say in English. Then I created the wonder technique and I started actually, what I would, I would like to say is distilling things, like making the, the coal into diamonds, like crystallizing things. And over the last 20 years, I've been very happy to see a number of the things that were quite off the edge, most people thought weren't important in terms of our being having happy lives, peaceful lives, like sleep, how that impacts us is enormous. How we can be calm and relaxed and, and be healthy and happy because of the importance of sleep. There was very little information out there. There was some, but 20 years ago is a very different world to now. I started to also get rid of stuff that I realized wasn't as important. So I distilled the wonder technique. So it's evolved, become more focused as a very simple way. And I can share more about it, but that's just a general introduction as to the wonder technique where it came from. And then I spent a lot of time traveling, too, which helped me better understand people.
1: I want to know what that stands for okay. now.
2: <laughs> and, yeah. And it's, it's so simple. For, so those people who are, who are listening, I'm hoping, like people at the presentations I've done, that they can remember right away. And, you know, the beautiful thing was that I saw the word wonder when I was messing around with the information, trying to organize it. And I was like, that's a cool word. So have a wonderful day. I was so excited because what it is, is W is for the importance of water, hydration. Okay. And I'll share a little bit more. Everything that I share is all holistic, meaning it interacts in all the different parts of our, our lives. The second one, O, is for outside. Okay. The importance of outside activity, spending time in nature in areas that are full of oxygen, not full of pollution. N is for no worries, your state of mind, how you approach things, whether it's meditation, quiet times, the importance of silence. If we have a chance to talk about that. D is for delicious nutritious foods because i don't believe people are going to eat nutritious food if they don't find it tasty so for me personally i know there's a lot of benefits that for example people find in drinking green tea but i don't like the taste of green tea so i don't drink green tea <laughs> I agree I f- with you. yeah so you know i mean i i find another way to get what i what i can get from that and enjoy the food then the next one the e which you probably can guess which is exercise More particularly, I would say to people who are listening, they're probably thinking, oh, no, he's telling me I should go to the gym. No, I'm not. I'm suggesting that people always find a form of movement that you enjoy and call it exercise. This could be like me. I hike a lot. I rock climb. That may not be for you. Dancing could be what you love to do. Running, whatever it is that you feel good about and you're excited about doing. And the last letter for the wonder is OR, which is for rest and regeneration, which all involves sleep. So it's a very simple thing. As I say to people, like um, some people will come to a seminar and they'll get a bookmark from me at the beginning of the day and at the end of the day, particularly at the end of the day, you can look back and say, okay, did I cover these six core principles today? It's really simple, W-O-N-D-E-R. And if you can cover them, a lot of times people actually don't cover all of those each day. There's a whole bunch that comes together and it helps you really live a, a more fulfilling life. That's my goal: is to really just remind people of how things can be so simple, and there's so much inside of that. That when I share the wonder technique with people on an individual or on a group basis, there's like a lot of depth that goes from each one of those and how they cross over. It's not just remember, drink water, get outside, but there's a huge crossover, and I think people forget about that. They silo information about personal development a lot, saying meditate, that's it, you're great, you're good, or Exercise, that's a good no. Sleep really well, that's it. All you. Need. No, it's not. It's all of these things together. I may be wrong, but I'm working on trying to be right.
1: <laughs> yeah, that, thank you for sharing that because it sounds some s- simple the way you put that together. And it is, but then you always forget those pieces of the puzzle that maybe you don't want to think about like exercise. Don't like it. I'm a dancer, but my knees hurt too much to do too much of that anymore. So yeah. when I do it and I feel up to it, that's great. But when I don't, but yesterday I found a really great place to walk to. There's a walkway yeah. that's not far from me and they have a Japanese tea garden right there and I'd never wow. been in there before. And I walked in and I went, Oh my God, this is so great. And it was like a mile to get and make my whole loop, which is way more than I normally walk, which is unfortunate. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately there was also construction going on and they were pounding into the ground that day. That was yesterday. So it was like I had the pounding into the ground really loud. And in the middle of this beautiful trees and this wonderful little waterfall they had going. And it was like, well, I will allow that to be part of my meditation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but mm-hmm. to have exercise and meditation together was really cool. And it's the first time I've done that.
2: Yeah, that's really interesting. And there's something that some people, maybe you've done this, or some people listening have done this. If you have the opportunity to walk with friend, but you remain in silence when you walk with them, that's unusual for most people to do. People will chat. And then there's another experiment where you walk and you have somebody that you trust. Hold your hand and you walk with your eyes closed. You have a completely different sensory experience. You kind of bring in the whole world outside that a lot of times people don't notice. I'm a great believer that we need to take time in silence, whether it's while we're walking or whether we're at home. Silence in a sense is just being an observer to the world around us because we get input too much all the time and this tends to make us a little bit overwhelmed maybe a lot of <laughs> well
1: and i was surprised i was able to not get really annoyed at the mm. pounding sound
2: that's amazing while i was trying Probably. to
1: appreciate the water sound yeah <laughs> somehow i got you really off subject we're right on subject, subject because you're
2: talking about an experience that you have that you used to pardon me for i'm not trying to correct you i'm saying you're right in the experience of life and finding something that works for you Right. And that's really important for people to do because some people avoid, for example, anything like activity or foods or something that they know will nourish their lives. But there's some sort of barrier and you just have to find a path that works for them. So some people will disagree with me, Carl. I, I say like the core principles are the same for everybody. Like, you know, I don't understand, for example, if you, when I'm traveling and you go to Pakistan or you go to when you're in France or wherever I am and people say, well, the medical training for a doctor is different doctor from one country goes to Canada, where I used to live, and they say, sorry, your training's not acceptable. I'm saying, did they change the species across the, the countries? <laughs> like, what is the difference here? Because at its core, it's all the same. So I do believe that the principles that everybody have are the same, although we may express them differently in our lives. You know, I mean, I've had people argue with me that oh, water's not that important. You can drink juice or tea and stuff. And I go, no, you need to drink water. However, how you may source it might be differently, but I totally encourage you to take the time to actually drink water, and that's what you saw me drink in here. I sip water throughout the day, but not at mealtimes, because people often wonder, how do I drink? introduce more water into my life? And you just make it a habit, and what you've got there in a bottle is you make it accessible.
1: Sometimes people don't like the taste, and they don't want to go water at all, but it you don't have to get the flavored weird waters in order to be able to drink water either. I have something, it drops that hydrogenate your water. Okay. And it makes you more alkaline, especially as a woman, I'm much more acidic. I get much more alkaline. I'm not sick as much. It Mm -hmm. tastes so much better because it's almost like smooth. Yeah.
2: And see, you found the pathway for you because some people will add maybe a drop of lemon, which in some Mm -hmm. cases can actually help your digestion. Some people will put a slice of cucumber. They'll find a way. Or it depends on where you're at because some, I mean, the water tastes different in France than it tastes when I'm in Canada. Like different parts of the world, water tastes differently. So you may find uh, that you're okay with what it is and you just find a way to introduce it to your body. So you've you got it covered, and that's part of actually what I would call is you have little strategies. Like the idea when I'm in the car, I have a water bottle with me in case I get thirsty, so you have a backup plan. Right. Okay. Talking a lot about water here, but it actually applies to everything. When you want to connect to joy, find peace and good stuff in your life, you need to create the opportunity for it to happen. And this is where we are totally 100% responsible for that in all our lives. Whether you want to have a better relationship, a better job, a better experience on a podcast, you have to do some sort of preparation ahead of time and sow the seed for that to create itself. It's impossible otherwise. To kind of zigzag a little bit here, I, I share with people that if you don't have in your life what you want to have right now, that's because you're not doing the things you need to do. It's that simple. And I'm paraphrasing it from a book um, called As a Man Tinket by James Allen, which was written in I think, 1915, maybe 1904. So it's an old book, but the wisdom is still the same. It's about where we are is because you're not happy because you're not doing what you really want to do. And if you want to change your life, if I can go a little bit deeper into this, Carl, just for a sec, I say to people, look into the future five years, 10 years down the road in an area that you're interested in changing. Maybe you don't have a great relationship. Maybe you don't have a great relationship with your spouse, with your children, work environment. Push yourself into the future and imagine that change has not taken place. It's only got worse, most likely, because things either get better or they get worse. Find your motivation and then decide you're going to change it so that when you arrive at that point in the future, you will be in a better space. But it's, again, that personal responsibility.
1: Well, and it doesn't always take much change. You can start out with a, a tiny fraction of a percent of change exactly. and the trajectory goes so different just with a exactly. tiny bit of change. So exactly. that's why it doesn't have to be so hard.
2: Exactly. Exactly. I'm going to give you an example of that. That's a large example, but a small example in the sense, step-by-step. Step. In 2014, I had a, I was in an accident at a rock climbing gym. And I, I, when I hit the ground, I messed my back up. I had two huge hernias. I couldn't walk for six months. Mm. And that was in 2014. Now, I treasure every day you mentioned about walking. Now, every day I go for a walk. It's so good to be able to walk because at that time for six months, I couldn't walk without just unbelievable pain but the the example I wanted to share was is that in two thousand and eighteen, a friend of mine called me and said, "David, I'm interested in doing a marathon. Are you interested in doing it too and i've ne- I've never done a marathon. It wasn't really my thing. But I was curious. Don't blame like many you. People marathons do.
1: don't sound like a whole lot of fun to me. No. At all. <laughs> well,
2: what happened was is that I've been a scientist here. I did all the research on you know how do you prepare for a marathon. Now this was March the seventh, two thousand and eighteen. The marathon was on November the eleventh the same year. But what hooked me into it was because it was in Greece and it was the original route from Marathon to Athens. Ooh. So when my friend told me that, I thought that sounds so cool. I want to do this. So I committed myself to it. I bought the ticket to go there. I registered for it, and then I went hang on a second, I'm not a runner, but how I actually (laughs) trained for it was what you just mentioned, Carl, which is so wise, is bit by bit. Every time I went out to run, I ran a little bit further. The first time I ran, it was 1.7 kilometers because I was measuring the distance. So about a mile, not very far. And I was like, oh my God, this is terrible. Now I have hiked 30, 40 kilometers in a day, but running is not the same thing. But what I did is every time I went out, I ran more and I ran more and I ran more. And before I actually did the marathon, I did a a day where I did 36 kilometers in total. And they always say, don't do that, but run a maximum of 30. But my mind was like, I got to do 42 and a half. I don't want to wait until the day and then find out. So I accumulated the experience and it was like a snowball effect. And it's like that, that you just said, anything you want to change in your life, you just keep on sowing the seed and building up on it.
1: Well, it's funny because that reminded me of when I had major surgery and they, they said, well, walk every day. And I was like, I can hardly get out of bed. What are you talking about? So I walked, I had a townhouse and I was walking like the length of one townhouse. I came back. The second day I did two townhouses and I came back. The next day I did three townhouses. So I was just like going, okay, that's the third one. Kick dog. We're going back. Little by little by little within two weeks, I was walking a lot farther than I, the, the doctors told me I should be able to do at that point. And it was like, all right, little by little. And I covered, I think, a week or two earlier than most people do from that kind of surgery. But it was because I think I did that one step, you know, a little bit further each day. And it was only literally like the length of one townhouse, which is not very big, because I just thought, okay, I have to still go back. So I better be careful that I don't spend all my energy going in one direction.
2: I love the story. I, I think I love this story so much, Carlos, because it, it mirrors in my mind what happened when I recovered from the, the fall. I couldn't walk to, with my children to the school that was next door to the building we lived in. I, I lived mm. in an apartment building and their school was next door. I couldn't make that. But there was a, shall we say, apartment um, block of buildings in a circle. and My goal, eventually, I want to be able to walk around that whole complex. And that's what I did bit by bit. But I have to make sure exactly what you said, I can get back home. So I, I wouldn't go to the point of pain, and that when I finished the marathon, I wasn't going to continue if I ever felt any pain in my back when I was running. I committed to going through it without pain. My goal is never to push through a pain because I think the body's telling us something, but to kind of step by step. Exactly, no pun intended. But like you said, it's the, it is really it's about doing that, and that's when people are trying to reduce weight or gain muscle. It's it's bit by bit. This is the human mistake that I'm sure I've made many times in my life. We expect to find instantaneously the perfect job, the perfect relationship, the perfect fitness. But in fact it never happens that way. It's a dedication and a commitment to making the change. I think that's really important because uh I'd love your taught on this. I remember Ken Blanchard wrote a book, uh, The One Minute Manager, but one thing that stuck in my mind and I read this in eighty six was that he said that so many people are interested, but very few people are committed.
1: One thing I do want to mention is that I have found in my life and in my clients' lives that it isn't always true that it has to take a long time, one step by one step. Sometimes you ask the universe for something and it turns Mm. around two or three days later. And all of a sudden you're going, holy blank, what the (laughs) heck happened? How come all of a sudden this happened? Well, you asked the universe and it said, yes, that's the right thing for you. Here you go. I was working on it all along. You finally asked, here it is on a silver platter, but we don't always recognize it. Or we don't take the opportunity because maybe we're too scared or we have this other stuff behind it. But sometimes it doesn't have to take forever. It's just there. The person may magically show up. Maybe you were working out other things. And so maybe that was your steps. But I mean, after my divorce, I got the money in four days for all the classes I wanted to take. And I did not know that that had been going on in the background, but it, it magically showed up. Right after I asked, and I went, Oh, shoot, now I have to go to all those classes <laughs> because I, I asked the universe and it came up. So I don't want people to think that it always takes forever either. No, so well, I that's okay it, that I interrupted. I,
2: I really like that you said that because I believe that because things can be incredibly powerful once you allow them to happen. Mm-hmm. You have to be taking the action, but it may go exponential, exactly what you said. And that is when you were completely open to the opportunity. And the challenge is, is a lot of people are afraid. Like, what if I meet that perfect person? They'd be terrified. They run the opposite way. So they actually have to prepare themselves to accept right. the joy. You've probably met people in your own life where, again, on the idea of relationships, they cannot accept love from somebody else because they're not ready. Right. That's really sad. They just, they're not open to the experience. But once they are open to it, it's like the floodgates open.
1: Yep. And then it's sometimes just, you go, ah! <laughs> i did when i got the money i went oh my god no i have to take those classes okay i asked i better do it <laughs> this yeah. is a clear sign
2: and i think that's really important that you accepted that because some people it's like you know it's like you talk about the, the universe the universe is saying okay you want this i'll bring it to you and then you say no i don't want it but you asked for it but yeah but i'm not ready okay i'm gonna go help someone else who needs it. to me when it comes to our state of mind and how we look at the world and whether we frame it as spiritual or not, you can push away things that are really good for you because you're not willing to accept. And sometimes, as you probably know yourself, it's a tough moment that you have to go through. But at the other side of it, and it can happen very rapidly, there's something great that's there.
1: Yeah, it's pretty fascinating how things show up when you don't yeah. expect them. And I think the problem is that it's a big manifestation happening right now. I mean, you can manifest things really fast, but it doesn't mean they're good for you. It means mm-hmm. if you're in the negative world, you just manifest those nasty things you don't want. Exactly. So you have to be careful what you're saying and what you're thinking because you just draw it to you and yes. not necessarily what you want. But if that's all you're focused on, that's what you get.
2: I totally agree. We can underline that. Souvenir, they say in French, that's like, that's so important because we talk about framing the day. That's part of what I've taught myself and helped share with other people because you're really, you have to control where your focus is. And I'll just throw a little teaser in there to remind people that sometimes we're not aware of where we're getting input from. For example, ask, ask yourself if you're listening right now, That, with all due respect to those people who are taking the time to listen, what do you listen to in terms of music? What are the words of the songs? Because a lot of people are not, like we read a book and we know what it's mostly it's about. We know that we're reading a story, but sometimes we listen to music that's actually polluting our minds in a very negative way. Oh, yeah. And okay. we don't think about that. But you know what? Just take away the music and imagine that the person's saying those words to you. It may not be that they're talking to you, but they're talking about a world that you don't actually want to experience. You have to be conscious of the input.
1: Sometimes you can't understand the words anyway.
2: Oh, yeah, that's another story.
1: (laughs) I mean, when you listen to the ones that you knew as a kid or that you were learning when you were a teenager, I've gone back and I've sung it and I've gone. Those words were never right. Or sometimes I'll hear the song for the first time in 20 years and I'll go, oh my God, I understand those words. That's not what I used to sing. Really? But I never thought Mm. of it. You're right. As in, do I want this for my life? It was just, you know, you're a teenager, you're 20, you want to listen to music. Yeah. So I don't even still know what some of the music did to me. (laughs) What did it ingrain in my subconscious?
2: It's really an interesting experience because I've yeah. done that, listened to songs that I used to listen to as a teenager and go, that gives me a window into my state of mind. Because when, <laughs> when I was a teenager, I was very shy, very reclusive. I had to get over that because there's nothing wrong with being shy and reclusive. But because when I, as I like to look at it, is when I was gifted enough knowledge and awareness to help people through the work I do with the wonder technique, I'm required to get out of myself. You know, I have to be yeah. able to take the time to be in front of people, which is not really something that David wants to do, but David has learned to do. Mm-hmm. And then it's realized that can be a really good experience as well. When all of this stuff happened were with the pandemic and that, and I'd never done a, a podcast or a, a true Zoom or any other system ever. I'd only ever done stuff in person. That was a new kind of level to experience because we talked a little bit beforehand, Carl, about the idea that. Here we're having a conversation. I'm sharing ideas, but I don't necessarily know what's going to come out of my mouth. <laughs> you know, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, so it's not like this pre-planned, and so it's a very much an experience of trust in oneself.
1: And some of us have more trust in certain areas of our lives than others. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and I know speaking is difficult for a lot of people. So Mm -hmm. sometimes I would think that this kind of thing where it seems to be one-on-one until people listen that you're not around to hear is easier than being in front of a bunch of people. Because as also a shy teenager who didn't talk to anybody but somehow ended up on stage because I do theater, it's different because that's not me out there in theater. I can still be the shy person like many actors are and get out there. But when you're talking as yourself and you're trying to help people and talk to people about a technique or something else, it's a whole other ball of wax. Yes. So I commend you for getting past that enough to be able to get out there to help people because I know how difficult that can be.
2: Yeah. So when I think about it, it was never something I would have thought I would have done when I was younger. <laughs>
1: I suppose we should get back to the reframing your day because we mm-hmm. haven't actually gotten there yet. And we no, did we promise haven't. that at the beginning and okay. in the title of the show. So why don't you talk a little bit about reframing your day
2: I will and indeed. what that means to you? Yes. Uh, and this is something that I've been practicing now for about four years diligently every day. And it was kind of all kind of all over the place during my life, but I kind of made a protocol. Uh, systematize it for myself because being as i mentioned a little bit earlier i'm very curious my mind is always dancing all over the place but i knew the value really of focusing on things and training my mind carol and i'm also was aware for a long time that how we think we've talked a little bit about this already what we let come into our minds is really important so what i do is is that i frame my day when i wake up in the morning I'm transitioning from, as everybody is, from sleep through different phases of brain activity. Like when we're awake right now, we're in beta. Then as we start to go to sleep, you're, you're in alpha, then theta, and then delta's deep sleep. As you wake up, you're doing a reverse order. And that pay, point in time when you're waking up is that kind of foggy, hazy feeling, like you feel you're in the clouds. Oh, yeah. That there is a beautiful moment for to focus on what you want to have happen in your day because your subconscious mind is very much still open. Now, it comes with a caution that I'll mention as we go through and reflect on at the end of the day. So as I wake up, I think about different parts of my life that I'm grateful for, really focusing on gratitude, my physical well-being, the friendships that I have, the fact that I have a home, the fact that I have money to buy food to provide for my family and for myself, and all these different areas I think about that and I think about them at the beginning of the day and I'm thinking about things like for example, this podcast that we're having tonight that is gonna go well. like I'm all also looking towards the future and seeing things about happening. And the key thing about this is it's not a repetition because I understand the benefit of you know uh, affirmations, but actually feeling the emotion. Thinking about it, feeling it as if it's now. You talked a little bit before when you were ready to accept the money showed up for the courses uh-huh. because it's all there. Like you believe it's happening. And then when I open my eyes and I stay in bed and I've like, gone through this protocol, like that sometimes I'm like, um, no, no, you know, you've got to do this because this works. And then I will I'll grab a notepad uh, that I have and I will write down things that I'm grateful for in my life. And there's always something whether it's, you know, that I've got air to breathe, there's never nothing that I can be grateful for. There's always stuff. And I just free flow that for a few moments. Usually five or six things will come up. And then I, what I've done is I've set, I've framed my day as to what I want to have happen. Because if the very first thing I do, there's lots of other choices I have, I could just wake up, get out of bed, do all kinds of things. You know, people can grab their phone, grab their computer, start taking input. And maybe the first thing they're going to have is something that's not a good experience. And that's the thing that they seed their day with. Something stressful. Oh my gosh, I have that meeting. All these things. And it's like, you're already off in a bad s- space. So you frame your day at the beginning. And sometimes I will reframe the day in the middle of the day. But it's rare. But I've done that. And uh, it'll help me keep uh, centered. And then at the end of the day, I will take the notepad again. I'll uh, write things that I'm grateful for that have happened. As I go to sleep, I do the same thing. I seed my subconscious mind with what I want to dream about that night. What I want to have as an experience in my life. Very simple and straightforward. You can get more into the, into the weeds, as they say, in the details of it. But in, in general, what I'm doing is I'm framing the day beginning and end with thoughts of gratitude and focusing on the things that I want to have in my life. And where your mind is at is what you tend to experience more of. And the danger is the mind doesn't care what you think about. If you go to bed in a bad state of mind because you're thinking about all the things that are going on in the world right now, and there's a lot of things, unfortunately, negative that we can think about, and I won't date stamp the podcast because this stuff is valuable all over, but people can just look when they listen and go, oh, yeah. If you're thinking about that as you go asleep, you're going to bring that into your mind. And where our minds work, when we go into REM sleep, it's trying to deal with all the emotional tangles, the problems that we have. So if you can see that part of your brain, with the experience of joyful things that you want. You're going to connect with the joy as you go asleep, And in the morning, you're going to connect more. I love the name of your podcast, Connect (laughs) to Joy, as you go into the day. And my world has changed by doing this. Like, it really has changed. To tell people that I had like a light bulb go on, that I had a whole bunch of things that happened. My dad passed away. I was in two car accidents. I had the rock climbing. Like, all this stuff was happening. And I noticed That when I was talking to my friends, Carl, all I was talking about was the problems. And I was, Mm -hmm. every time I talked to somebody, even though my friends would say, my gosh, you know, they feel, they feel for me and they're wonderful for doing that. I, I one time just said, I got to stop talking about this because I'm rehearsing the same events all the time.
1: Every once in a while, I got to the point I'd go, I'm tired of hearing myself talk about this negative thing. Stop it. Exactly. I'm done. I'm not going to talk about this anymore.
2: Exactly. And I did that to me and it shifted everything. And when I, when sometimes I'm invited on a podcast and I, people ask me details, I run through it really quickly. You might notice that like, I don't want to give all the details, which I could, but because I don't want to focus on it, even in that small amount. Right. You have to look at all the different ways you look in your life and what you're seeding because you have an amazing amount of control. It really comes from inside of you. It really is your choice. And that's the beauty of the power because you can change things, but it's step-by-step, step, as you said before.
1: And the fact that people don't take their power, they give it away so much. If you make that choice, you don't have to be in charge of anything in your life. Yeah. But then you have only nothing to do but complain when things don't go well. Okay. This way, if you, things don't go well, you can say, okay, time for me to take charge. Exactly. Time for me to, to decide what I want in my life. And to choose to drink the water, to go on the exercise, to make my health better, to eat what's right, to whatever it is, or to think clearer thoughts, you know, less negative thoughts. It shifts so much when people make that choice, even yeah. if it is a very tiny step at a time because you keep falling back. We were having so much fun with this podcast that the conversation went on at least another half an hour. So I have decided to split this podcast in half, and you can hear the other half of my interview with David Hennessy next week on part two. By all means, check out the episode description because you'll find there the information on both his and my websites, and you'll be hearing about the free gifts on the next episode for David, and he will also have the link in the show episode descriptions so you can check it out now or later. If you want to know more about life coaching with me, intuitive readings or Marconic's multidimensional energy, either to receive it or to become a practitioner, please reach out to me either by email or through my website. And reach out to David, of course, if you'd like to know more about the wonder technique. I really enjoyed talking to David and I hope you'll tune in again next week. Or if this has already been out in the ethers for a while, just click on it now and enjoy the other half of our conversation. So until next week, be courageous and reach higher. And remember, transformation is a journey and not an end destination. So be kind to yourself. Just take one step at a time and get the help you need. Get out there and find your joy because you deserve it. And it's not as hard as you may think.
0: Thank you for listening to Connect to Joy. If you love the show, make sure you rate, review, and share this podcast. And subscribe so you never miss an episode. Contact the host, Carol DeShane, with questions and comments, ideas for future episodes, or if you would like to become a guest. And remember, transformation is a journey, and not an end destination. So be kind to yourself, because you are already enough to have the joyful, limitless life that you desire.